Hello and welcome to The Parent Panel, a podcast where parents dissect, debate and more often than not, poke fun at the news and events of the week as it relates to our families. On this episode, we're talking about the great parenting juggle, whether birth belongs on social media feeds and MDMA and other ways to save your marriage. Well, sometimes you catch yourself just being bossed around. You're going, wait, wait a second. <laughs> yes. I'm, I'm, I'm the an adult. <laughs> Neve one day took her nappy off and just rubbed it on the wall. Oh, wow. I kind of feel like parenting is a good antidote to my anal retentiveness. I think you're still in the trenches with your kids. I like the expression trenches. I sometimes call it the vortex. (laughs) The Parent Panel with Siobhan Hunt. As always, we select two parenting guests for their wisdom, experience and opinions on all things parenting. Sarah Hunstead is a former paediatric emergency nurse and the director of CPR Kids. She's also a mum of two daughters. Hi, Sarah. How are you? Good morning. And author and cook Aaron Harvey. He is the father of one daughter. Welcome. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. How are you both? Relaxed? I'm just trying to find the word. Relax. That'll do. Yeah, I'll take that'll it. do. I'll take I, it. You're looking bronzed, chilled. Beach holiday. Oh, yes. That's nice. very beautiful. Nice. I'm and still getting over own? the wisdom thing, so yeah. <laughs> I'm working with that. Yeah. We'll, we'll see what that means. Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, for most families, the holidays are now a fading memory. Yes. Um, so we're all getting back into work, routine, daycare, drop-off, school, etc. So I think it's only natural that our first topic of today is talking about the parent juggle. I was working from home. See, I'm a working mom. I'll be working from my home office for a while. Looking after your brother is a full-time job. I love that the music under that is just kind of a little bit sinister, a little bit... Very shinless list, actually. (laughs) Yes, it was, wasn't it? Anyway, um, it it is a bit indicative of the topic because new research from the Institute of Social and Economic Research at Essex University has found that working mothers are up to 18% more stressed than working women without children. And that figure goes up to 40% if the woman has two children. Now, the only impact that made a difference on their stress levels was working less hours. Now, it's not rocket science that trying to combine work and family life can be stressful. Now, you both manage a juggle, a similar juggle in your own way. Sarah, is managing work with family family life always more stressful? Have you found a balance? I'm going to try not to make this a um, a therapy session for me, just, <laughs> just, just putting it out there. And if I start to if I start to cry, just give me a cuddle, okay? <laughs> I'll reach across the desk and cuddle. Uh, always cuddles. Thank you. Cuddles every fix time. everything. They do. Okay. Good. Um, yes. So I, um, I, I made the, perhaps in hindsight, ridiculous decision <laughs> to work in a management role in a hospital, have two children under the age of three and start a company. Now, I'm not That's sure. A lot. Uh, yeah, I know. I look back and think, what was so? What was I thinking? I think you should take some more stuff on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. What else can I do? Exactly. Quick, quick, pile it give on. Give me some more. Give me some more. Um, and yeah, so I've been, I've gone on that roller coaster of the hang on a sec, something's got to give because my stress levels, two kids, 40%, I reckon it probably went up 140% because I just wasn't doing anything well. I just wasn't. So something had to give. And so making those decisions to leave my hospital job, which I loved, and to concentrate on the kids and CPR kids, the third baby, and actually, you know, 
communicate with my husband and relieve some of that pressure. So you know what, these statistics that they've got there, absolutely they're true. And and obviously for you also less working hours by giving up your other job was what made it more manageable. It was at the time, but I think what's happened is as my kids have grown up, so not that they're anywhere near grown up, they're nine and ten, well, eight and ten, don't tell them I got their ages mixed up. That See, mistake is totally. This is what the yeah, stress exactly. does to you. You don't remember how old your children are. What's their name? What's their birthdays? Okay, Ooh. now no, we're not going there. I actually do know when their birthdays are. Thank you very much. No, so I think what I did is that it it relieved it because I couldn't control the hours at the hospital. So therefore, it um, not having that control made everything a lot worse. I'm lucky enough now at CPR Kids that I have, and I hope they're listening to this, the most brilliant team on earth. And what that means is, is that I can be a bit more flexible to be able to go to those assemblies, to be able to go and do those things and then work from home in the evening if I need to and be able to have that flexibility. And that's what's made the difference for me. But not all of us can do that. Well, I was going to say, Aaron, your work is um, very eclectic and you've got lots of things coming at you. So Mm. while some people might look at that and go, oh, you've got a completely flexible work environment, Mm. I doubt you always have control over what appointments you have and what engagements or do you? No, How does look, it work no, for you? Look, I, you know, there are obviously things I have to do at certain times. There are deadlines, but working for yourself, like you said, um, you can set a bit of a, an agenda and a schedule. I, I, look, I, I'm really happy they did this study, even though it's the most obvious an- answer in the entire world. Obvious. I'm just surprised that it's actually such a low percentage. Um, the thing that hits me is, yes, I'm lucky. You're lucky. We can define a schedule in our lives. We can make those times. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the one thing that this study doesn't touch on. It talks about flexible hours, working from home, all that stuff. But it doesn't talk about the invasiveness we have with new technology and how working from home, yes, you might work flexible hours and whatever, but if you check your emails outside those times Mm -hmm. and you get those things, those stresses come back and they visit you. Now, I can't really sit here and talk about great advice for how, you know, to juggle these things because I have the ability to control my work hours, unlike someone who doesn't, And the stress just piles and piles and piles. The only thing, I mean, my wife, you know, she runs a very successful business, uh, but she, her industry is you have to work until it's done. And if they call you up at 10 o'clock at night and you have to work until whenever you have to do it. Uh, So I think it's all about support. Uh, You know, uh, you have to be willing to put your stuff on hold sometimes, even if it, you know creates a problem for you to look at a bigger picture in your household. And and I think that that can be used as a metaphor for your marriage, for your child rearing, for everything. So look, a very necessary study, a, a very obvious result, but I think there's a lot more to that that you know, maybe should be addressed. And that is what impact is technology uh, having on our families and this fact that we're always on. Because I wanted to say one of the things that when I see both of your working environments, the thing that I think is unacknowledged is when you choose to have your own business so that you have flexible hours around your family, what you never have is downtime. So for someone like myself, who my hours are reasonably set, they are still quite flexible, but I leave the office and more often than not, I leave my work behind me. And even if people work long hours, they get emails. There's very, there, there are industries that expect full-time workers to work through the night. 
hopefully it's not many, most parents would be able to leave and leave it behind. What I see with people who choose flexible work arrangements to work around their family is that they are never off. No. My sister's a graphic designer, so she is always there for the kids, but then she's often working till two, three o'clock in the morning to finish her work. And I think that's a huge area that isn't looked at because workplaces aren't flexible enough. People make their own decisions and then they just have no downtime. I mean, is that your experience with your flexibility? Certainly in the past it has been, without a doubt. So, you know, CPR Kids has been running for six years now and say the first you know, five years of that, that's exactly what happened. You know, I'd have my husband at 11 o'clock at night saying to me, shut the lid of the computer, Sarah, and come to bed. I think now I'm lucky enough that I have team, I have operations managers, I've got that kind of stuff where I can go on a holiday. I had, last year, I had my first holiday in probably six, seven years where I didn't have to do anything every day. There you go. That's a hard and thing. And that was the milestone. Like I, we literally popped a bottle of champagne <laughs> to celebrate that. <laughs> oh my gosh! And that, even the kids, like, "Mummy, you're telling me you don't have to work?" No, nope, I'm not. And I've worked my butt off to get to this point, but it was still my choice to do that. I could have gone back to the hospital and left my work after a shift. I might whinge about this but it's my chosen life too. Well, that, that's the point. I, I think that, you know, and I'm not for a moment downplaying anyone who works for somebody else or anything like that, but you go out and start a business, it's normally a passion of yours and it, there is something behind starting that business that keeps you pushing through. Exactly. Uh, my wife works in advertising, so, you know, there, there is no stopping it and she hasn't ever gotten to the point where she can take that holiday and close that computer, at least not yet anyway. But, you know, for all of the... You know, and it is tough and it and it is stressful and all of those things. But, you know, there's reward at the end of it, not only, you know, for yourself, but for your family. And look, there's something like, you know, we have daughters. Um, there's something to be said for daughters that look at their mothers who are working successfully in an industry. And in fact, I think there's been studies about what a positive reinforcement that does. So, you know, I think nothing can be anything but good when it comes to looking at you know, what influence and what example we're setting by, you know, trailblazing our own, um, you know, careers and futures. And following exactly. your passions. Exactly. Yes. All right. Well, um, because that is such a good place to end that topic on, I'm going to introduce our next one, which is, of course, births on social media. Yay, Yay or nay. <laughs> Rach, you know that birthing tape that you wanted to see? Mm -hmm. It's here. Oh, and we should warn you before you watch it, don't watch it. Why you saw it? Is it scary? Well, let's just say that it's ironic how footage of someone being born can make you want to kill yourself. Now, you may not feel as strongly about birth videos as Chandler from Friends, <laughs> but it's fair to say they're not for the faint-hearted. A video of a cesarean birth on New Year's Eve went viral recently, showing people jumping around like crazy in excitement while the mother lay on the gurney awaiting the birth of her child. Now, I should say this this video was um, in Brazil, filmed in Brazil. I don't know the background. I looked at that woman's face and thought, yeah, I don't know how into this you are. You kind of look a little bit zonged out. But anyway, maybe she was really happy to have that crowd at her birth. Perhaps. 
But for me, <laughs> I can't think of anything worse. It's the last thing I'd like to see, or it's the last thing I'd want at the birth of my child. Um, but of course, that's not the end of it. Instagram has recently reviewed their guidelines around nudity to allow birth videos to be uploaded and distributed on that platform. Aaron, Yo. should full videos of birth, whether it's cesarean or vaginal, mm-hmm. be banned from social media feeds? Okay. Um, I think <laughs> that while this is a relatively simple question, yes. it is a, an extremely complex answer. Um, first of all, uh, when my child was born, I uh, my child had a little bit of trouble coming into the world. My wife had a cesarean and I did look back when I went over to the table to see her getting her resuscitated. And it wasn't the prettiest sight in the world, my, my you know, what had happened, but you know, it's part of, you know, the, the process experience. of, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, look, First of all, uh, I can watch the six o'clock news and I can see images of a, a father carrying a child uh, that's been blown to bits by a missile strike, uh, aired, you know, for everyone to see without any kind of censorship whatsoever. But we get into some kind of mad, you know, puritanical kind of, uh, you know, losing our minds over the idea of our species uh, reproducing, which I, I think <laughs> is just a, a crazy thought. Um, should there be... Uh, adequate warning, um, the ability to uh, control the content you view, and more to the point, if you're not mature enough to understand what content you're viewing, yes, all those checkpoints should be in place, and I think that social media has a very large responsibility to do that. But can I say this? Um, What level or where have we gotten in as us in society where we are in that desperate need of validation um, that we have to put this up uh, to get a stranger telling us that everything is okay. Has social media created this thing where we are so isolated and so afraid that we need everyone out there to tell us that, yes, you're doing a good job? There was a documentary that came out recently uh, about uh, a music festival called uh, the Fire Festival. Did anyone see that? I've been or? told to watch yeah. it. Okay, Many great times. documentary. Yeah. The Fire Festival was a documentary that, uh, sorry, a festival that was promoted on Instagram by models on yachts, sipping champagne on pristine beaches. It promoted a, you know, a celebrity getaway party for three days, you know, where you could be Pablo Escobar and be, you know, the whatever. The reality of that party when it came to pass was it was in this kind of crappy marina and it, you know, had these moldy tents with these wet mattresses. And someone, you know, went on to say that it was the perfect example of what social media is. This Insta life that you see is not what it is in real life. And maybe the question should be, should these births be up there? Should all these things be happening? Should we be letting social media be such a rampant beast without any idea of what it's doing to our children? to us, to everything, to society, uh, and just continually support it and, you know, have to be a part of it. That, that's the thing I got from this incredibly terrifying <laughs> idea to, to put this on, on uh, social media. Yeah, interesting. And, and Sarah, I'm keen to hear what you think because, of course, your background is in medicine. So uh, the things that possibly Aaron and I might turn our stomachs, and I have to, my husband at my birth, both of my births, did everything he could to avoid seeing what happened downstairs <laughs> after the after the birth or during the birth. Um, and personally, I didn't actually want, I wanted to see my baby and that was about it. So people have different levels of tolerance when it comes to yes. um, the reality of our bodies. Mm-hmm. 
I'm expecting that your tolerance is quite Extremely high. high. Yeah. Yep. How, how many hours do we have to talk about this? Because this uh, is, you love it, don't this you? is a layered <laughs> onion right here. It is just, there is so much that we could talk about this subject. I think firstly, as a clinician, I was horrified. I was disappointed. I was ashamed to be sharing the same profession as these people in that room, because that is not patient-centered care. So I'm going to leave that there because I could talk about that for a very long time, but I think that sums it up. That is not how it should be. Anyway, okay. All right. I got that. <laughs> Deep okay. Yeah, Deep there breath. we go. Back to social media. Back <laughs> to social media. Okay. So I, I sway between, yes, we should have it and no, we shouldn't. And the reason that I sway is because I think that a baby coming out of a vagina or a tummy whatever way they're coming into the world, can be a really good educational experience and take away fear because fear is often the unknown. And so if we can take that away and if the way we access that is, you know, YouTube or Instagram or something like that, that it's a video that obviously has consent from the person who is, who's posting vagina it. is there. Yes, that's true. It's always helpful. It is <laughs> helpful. Ideally, you'd like that. Um, you know, if there's that consent, if they're putting it on there because they want to share in a way that it's coming from a good space, that they're not doing it because, you know, they want to, I don't know, you know. for, for the ne- famous. Exactly, yeah. exactly. That it's there because they want to share an experience and help educate others. I think that's a really good thing, but there is so much risk in this. There is risk because, you know, I don't know about you, but when I was pregnant, every second person went, oh my God, you should have heard my horror story, you know. And really instilled this whole lot of fear. Whereas I, I was, I'm one of the lucky ones. I had two great births. I'm very, very lucky. Don't get me wrong. You know, it was still hard. <laughs> okay. Oh, don't worry. Yeah, I wasn't no, no, thinking no, no. that meant it was yeah. easy. No, no, no. Good no, and no. easy don't necessarily yeah, no. mean the it same thing. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But there's risk. If you have this huge amount of fear about this baby coming out and you click on that wrong YouTube video or that wrong Insta thing, and it is this horrifying thing in front of you, then that can traumatize you more. So is there an answer? No, you just have to be careful what you look at. And if it's not for you, block it. But I, I think that I agree with everything you were saying, but I think more onus needs to be put back onto social media providers. You know, um, yes, you can do put these measures in place, but at the end of the day, there's still a lot of stuff that comes up that, you know, is I, slightly off the subject of, you know, um, I, I put on Facebook recently and uh, put on Facebook, I sound as old as I am. Uh, <laughs> You know, the I hit the, the app and, yeah, um, anyway, and there was a, a, a banned dog uh, torturing something coming up and it was this dog getting horribly tortured and I haven't subscribed to any groups nor anything else or blah, 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 blah. And I didn't have any control over what I watched. I think that social media needs to have, uh, you know, a very big mirror put up to it and the, and the providers need to be held responsible and accountable for some of the stuff that's going on because, you know, never have we been flooded with so much information that is incorrect, that is of opinion from some very, very small-minded people and getting a lot of traction. And, and that terrifies me. Like, it terrifies me for my child for when she starts using social media. And there are people like Ginger Gorman, the journalist, is trying to um, hold 
social media accountable for the bullying that takes place online. I so think they there, should. There yes. are people who are making moves. So hopefully the pendulum is swinging, swinging backwards to we understand can it can't be. It yeah. Hope and pray. Yeah. All right, next. Would MDMA help you with your marriage? After having kids, just getting enough sleep is a challenge, let alone getting back into the workforce. The Mother Shift is a brand new babyology podcast hosted by author, Sky News presenter, and mum of two, Jacinta Tynan. She talks with different mums about the work life juggle. Did you think it was going to be pretty seamless? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, I thought it was, you know, I was going to have a baby who slept. I was going to, you know, it would be a, a dream pregnancy and then a dream baby. I did think I would go back more days than I did. And then after I had my son, I actually only wanted to go back one day because I was enjoying my time with him so much. And these children, yes, they can't survive without us. But if you're not happy and you're not fulfilling who you are, how, how can we be present to them? Hear their real-life experiences on The Mother Shift by Babyology. Available wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, as for drugs, well, drugs are bad. You shouldn't do drugs. That's not how you maintain a loving, caring relationship. Anyway, just wanted to let you guys know that in this neighborhood, we don't keep off the grass. Oh dear. Author Eilat Waldman is famous for writing about microdosing LSD in her book, A Really Good Day. And in an article for Wynn recently, she also says that MDMA has helped her 25-year marriage. To quote, she says, I really do believe that the secret is periodically doing MDMA. We've had incredibly intense conversations and worked out very serious issues in a positive way. MDMA, when taken safely, helps break down barriers. Sarah, what is your secret weapon to having a good marriage? It's not MDMA. <laughs> Uh, no, 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 it's not that. It's not that. So Fentanyl. Uh, oh, how did you know? <laughs> now that, that's the solution. <laughs> Sorry, I just looked at you and thought about when my son had his tonsils out and they gave him a little, little bit of fentanyl and that little bit of fentanyl sorted him right out and he was an angel for about a day until it wore off. <laughs> fentanyl is one of the best drugs in children for pain that I've ever seen in my Incredible. life. Incredible. I don't know about that. I'm saying that marriage is painful though. Well, Sorry was, about that. You know, that whole analogy thing there, you know, <laughs> heading your tonsils out. Exactly. Be happy hey. in your marriage. Yeah. yeah. It's all same, same. Pain in the neck. Yeah. I'm sorry. Nailed it. Thank you. Dad joke. (laughs) Yay. Had to get your dad joke somewhere. You did. Well done. Well done. Sorry. That was a tangent. Tell us, what's your secret weapon? Okay. Secret weapon is communication, respect, and equality. I just got a bit serious then. You did. I'm you so did. Sorry. And you I'm so it wasn't, sorry. It wasn't serious. what I was expecting at all. She no, did the finger point too. Did you see the finger point? <laughs> I know. I know. She, you see, I was tossing up between. Um, it is actually having a good sense of humour and being able to absolutely just take the Mickey out of each other. I tell you, and be able to cop it too. Yes, you've got to be able to take it. Haven't oh, you? Oh yeah. And um, my husband, my husband is the is the king of. Um, practical jokes and things like that to the point where we were staying almost in a haunted house and he hid in a stairwell and jumped out at me and scared the life out of me. So that's just 
That's good. That's good uh, husband-wife <laughs> stuff. There. It is. It is. Unless Sarah turned around and punched him. No, like. you get to sleep on the couch, but you know it's real funny for that f- few minutes. <laughs> exactly, it is. But I think it's just it all boils down to that stuff of being able to, you know, just the, the secret weapon, just laugh at each other mm. and be able to just. Oh, I don't know. That's I a good don't know. Point. I've got to say, when you talk about practical jokes, just to throw in a story about my dad here. Dad was always like that with mum, and he loved, always loves April Fool's Day. Two things that I remember him doing. One, when we were all still living at home, and my brother was probably about 17, he took my doll. You remember those dolls with the hair that you could pull out the hair and do their hair? There was like a totally. just a head. You I remember had, that, Aaron? Yeah, you had one? Um, I was working <laughs> I'm hard not on following it. it either. But anyway, it's a human-sized head, but it was a toy that girls would play with. Oh, yes. Do you remember them? Yes, I so do. So Dad took that while my brother wasn't home and put the head in the bed and made up like a body under the blankets. That's pretty awesome. On April Fool's Day and went home, went downstairs and said to mum, oh my goodness, Brendan's had a girl sleepover. (laughs) And so mum went up and had a peek and saw that. Right, that was one thing he did. Another thing he did, which I thought was way more effort than required, he told mum that the tree, this was when we were all adults um, and had children of our own, he told my mum that the the cherry blossom tree out the front in the middle of winter had blossomed or something like that. And he had gone out and tied blossoms on the tree. That is commitment. Oh, that's it's commitment. That's real commitment. commitment to the joke. I like it. I, yeah. I, I tell you what, I reckon I can trump that by yes, one though. Please do. I do. So when I was had my first child, I was <laughs> in the nude and breastfeeding her sitting on the couch because, you know, that's just how we rolled. <laughs> That is how we rolled, you know, yeah. just is. We watched Dog the Bounty during our late night one, so. <laughs> Fantastic. And my husband called me to the front door and he said, oh, Sarah, Sarah, I just need you to quickly, quickly. So I've got a kid on the boob, I'm butt naked. That's going to go on the blooper reel, isn't it? Yep. yep. <laughs> Walked up to the door and he pushes me out and pretends to lock it. <gasps> so I'm standing out the front <gasps> with a baby, but... The funniest thing, wind blows the door completely shut and we're both locked out. That's wonderful. I'm sorry, I'm cringing for all these because I'm just thinking of how long and how much trouble I'd get into if I did any of that stuff. That's, uh, that's amazing. Oh I was God. not happy. He was in his budgie smugglers. Oh my it was God. hot. It was summer. So he kindly went and got the Target catalogue out of the mailbox for me to be able to cover myself <laughs> up a little bit. That's caring. It is, isn't it? While he went down to the local shops because we had no mobile phones, nothing, to make a phone call to get some spare keys to get us chucking. That's a wonderful, wonderful story. I can't believe I didn't know that story before. That is brilliant. that is the secret to a happy marriage. There you go. Did you laugh though, really? Did you laugh? About six weeks later. Aaron, how are you going to top that? What's your secret weapon oh, for happy marriage? I'm still wanting to hear more about this. This is, um, look. Uh, I was going to say, surely, Aaron, your, yours isn't such a secret weapon. You did write a book all about cooking for your pregnant partner. I did. I did. I've put it out there, all my theories on how to grovel and um, and, and brownie points uh, as a husband. Um, the weird thing about this topic is that I had a friend that I haven't seen for 20 years come and stay over the weekend and he is microdosing LSD at the moment. He's wow. read the book and he started doing it. And? And so he has become more productive. He's running his business better. He says it's the most incredible experience. Now, I, I 
had never heard of it before, and I'm shocked that we're talking about this today, <laughs> uh, the serendipity of it all. Um, but uh, yeah, he said that he read the book. It sounded like something. He was having a lot of trouble dealing with um, his new business and his new daughter and, you know, life in general. He wasn't motivated. He started doing it and he's found a vast improvement uh, in life. So wow. just Good to know. A, a very strange conversation. I'm not endorsing this yes, in any kind of way. <laughs> the parent panel does <laughs> not endorse yeah. and taking yes. off drugs. No, no. And I'm drugs. not endorsing any of that. Uh, <laughs> I'm just saying I merely heard that. Um, mm-hmm. So there we go. Good stuff. Um, okay. I don't have any wonderful practical joke. Well, I did a good practical joke recently, but you know, it, no one's going to think it's funny except for me. So I'll, I'll leave it there. Um, look, our, our secret is 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 pretty boring, but it's simple. Um, we hang out together in the sense that we make time to hang out. You know, we we work a lot at night when uh, our little ones in bed. So sometimes I'll be like, "Oh, you got to work all night tonight." Yeah, yeah. Okay, me too. You get something to drink, you put on some music, the work gets forgotten about, you end up on YouTube watching 80s videos or something like that. <laughs> you know, you, you have some fun and you act like you did before, you know, the tsunami of parenthood came, you know, crashing down on you. I, I think it's, uh, you know, if you respect each other, if you listen to each other, all those things, then if you can just make it fun once in a while, you know, break the routine once in a while, you know, do something on the you know, spur of a moment. I, I think that those things... Keep it exciting. I, I think we're up to 20 years for me and my partner next month. And you know, I have to ask Natalie whether the amazing cooking you do also helps. I have I'm a sure, feeling I'm, it I'm, would. I really think that it, it, it think definitely it helps. Like, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put that one right up there. And if anyone's interested in throwing this book towards their partner, <laughs> if they're currently pregnant and want them to take a leaf out of, literally take a leaf out yep. of Aaron's book. Several leaves. Hey, yep. hey, yeah, I, I can like do it. the dad, dad jokes, jokes too. Hey, right it's, there. It's all Thank happening. You. It is called, uh, what is it called? The House Husband's Guide to Cooking... For your pregnant partner. For your pregnant partner. Very yeah. self-explanatory. We'll go. put links in the show notes. Please do. On the My website. publisher will be very, very happy. Yeah. Yes. Well, I'd be happy if there's even <laughs> one partner that does this. <laughs> I'm I starting a revolution fabulous. one partner at a time. Beautiful. Okay. Well, in just a moment, we're talking about nailing it. Uh, we kind of feel like Aaron's done that already. But when life will be totally sorted. Dad, I've been practicing for like a million hours, okay? I've been preparing for this moment my entire life. My word, this is very impressive. I've been waiting for this my whole life. So I've enrolled in a handstand course. I'm telling everyone about it, even though I'm slightly terrified. I've never done handstands, not as a kid, didn't do cartwheels, none of that stuff. Um, But I am convinced that once I do a handstand, my life is going to completely change. The theory behind this is that uh, it's all in my mind. So if I conquer my fear of handstands, other mind barriers will miraculously fall. Just think of it like the Berlin Wall. <laughs> Actually, don't don't think of it that way. That I metaphor that is way too complicated. That wall. is way too complicated. I just want my life to be simple, no fear, and a handstand is going to sort that out. I've already told the yoga teacher, no pressure, but you are solving my life's problems here. So, Aaron, Yo. what is the one thing that, if you nailed it, your life would be complete? Okay, Um Again, this is a podcast, so people can't really see me. I'm not the most athletic dude in the world. You know, I'm the couch dad. You know, I'm the cooking dad, the read the book to your dad, the watch a movie with dad. So, you know, I went to Luna Park with my 
daughter and my wife, and we went with another couple. And they had a son. And the husband, he was outdoors, Dad. You know, he took them ice skating and they was flying around. I was on one of those little penguins they give for the kids <laughs> with the, you know, my, my you know, pigeon toe. I'd love to be outdoors, Dad. I'd love to, you know, like going for a run and, you know, all of those things. If I could nail a totally different personality for me, <laughs> I, I would be thrilled. Yeah. But look, to be more active, to be that kind of guy, I, I, I think it would be lots of fun. Awesome. Sarah, if there was one thing you had to nail? Time travel. That is Ooh, all. Wow. I mean, Amy mic Lowe. drop. <laughs> How does time travel sort things out for you? Well, my biggest problem... You wouldn't let your husband push you out the door yeah, naked. Well, yeah, exactly. Mm. Exactly. See, it fixes so much more than I thought. <laughs> my problem is, is that at three o'clock, I've got two school pickups with two kids in two different schools. How did that happen? Oh, obviously not a lot of forethought. <laughs> so, oh you my know, God, you need Hermione's time thing in yes, Harry Potter. that's exactly what I need. Oh, see, how do you you get that? You just solved my problem. Oh, obviously. I mean, the viewers can't see the eyes that just lit up with the (laughs) Harry Potter reference. You know what? I just, you know, I've always thought you're magnificent, but now you're (laughs) super magnificent. I just have to build it for you. I just need to find Dumbledore, perhaps. Mm. Did Dumbledore give it to Hermione? No. Mrs. McGonagall, I think. Mrs. McGonagall. Okay. So if anyone knows where Mrs. McGonagall can be found, Professor, oh, sorry, it's Professor McGonagall. Yes. At least. Corrected me there. Yep. All right. So if anyone can find Professor McGonagall, we want to make a time travel necklace device for Sarah so she can pick up both her children from separate schools on time. Perfect. Excellent. All right. Well, that was our final question for the parent power. I'm glad (laughs) life's dilemmas have been sorted out by a fitness regime, a time traveling necklace and a handstand. We have solved the problems of the world. Nailed it. Nailed it. Nailed it. Okay. So... Might drop from all of us. Um, yep. Aaron, Sarah, if people want to find out more about what you do, where you are, with all of your sage advice in your respective areas, Aaron, where can they find you online? Um, I've really no idea, to tell you the truth. <laughs> you have an Instagram. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I do I've have an Instagram. You can look up you a house husband's you guide, put it on. <laughs> uh, Aaron Harvey, uh, you know, um, Pimp My Noodles, all the things that ah, I do. Pimp My Noodles. Yes, my instant noodle YouTube? cooking show. YouTube? Yes, that is on YouTube. I look up Pimp My Noodles. We just passed a million views the other oh, day, which bravo. is pretty good. Wow. Thank you very much. Bravo. Yes. Brilliant. And Sarah, where can people find you? Oh, cprkids.com.au. Are you on Insta? Yeah. Yeah. What's your handle? Um, <laughs> what's your handle, love? Well, my handle, love. <laughs> I tell you what, I, we do all need to move to New Zealand because it's a much was better a place. Kiwi was that a Kiwi accident? A- accident. Accident. It was a Kiwi accent accident. Somebody has to turn the mics off. We are out of control. So what's your handle on um, Insta? Uh, CPR Kids. Just CPR Kids on every form of social media, really. Anywhere we'll find you that yeah, way. Yeah, just find us that way. Brilliant. I should mention, of course, CPR Kids is first aid for parents with children. I've done the course. It's brilliant. You won't forget it. That was my biggest fear. You won't forget it. It's awesome. So find it out. Thank you both for coming in. Thank, Thank you. you. I'm Siobhan Hunt. You can find me online at Siobhan Hunt. That's S-H-E-V-O-N-N-E. No one spells my name right. Um, that's all for this episode of The Parent Panel. See you next time. You've been listening to The Parent Panel, a babyology podcast hosted and written by Siobhan Hunt, produced and edited by Elise Cooper. For more information on the show, or maybe you want to do a deep dive onto previous episodes, you can find out all you need to know on our website. Head to babyology.com.au slash parent panel. 
See you next time.